Hello everybody, this is Apple Treats, and today we will have an interesting topic, mostly because this topic covers uh, the day in life of everybody of us, or probably of our listeners and viewers and uh, like every iOS developer, but in, in some part at least. Hi Irina, hi Vladimir. Hello. Hi everybody, hello. So we... We invited one of our team members, uh, Apple Treats team members, to be our guest today, uh, mostly because we want to talk about ourselves. <laughs> uh, just because we are doing the podcast, that doesn't mean we are actually podcasters. You probably see that already. We are not, not too professional yet while we're trying uh, to, to do that, but um, we're actually developers ourselves. And... Um, as of now, let's ask Vladimir to uh, introduce himself. So, Vladimir, you're iOS developer too, right? Yes. So, I've been iOS developer since 2011. And yeah, it's 10 years this year. Uh, I'm happy to say that I'm close <laughs> to be a senior developer now. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the university. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I started at university and uh, I can say that since 2014, okay, probably 15, I'm a Swift developer. So I started from developing just a plain uh, application for Apple Watch in Swift. And yeah, since then, I just fall in love in this language. Cool. That's, uh, that's kind of interesting. So... Irina, let's uh, let's talk with you. So you're a developer, right? Uh, you actually yes, write uh, code. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, for those who are listening us uh, from episode to episode, uh, I have some updates. I'm uh, already hands-on again, not like sitting with a baby, <laughs> and have some um, fresh experience. And in total, I'm an engineer for 13 years and have some web background before I started with, uh, with iOS. And actually, I was excited about Swift uh, as well because um, I have, in my experience, uh, high-level uh, such uh, languages like uh, JavaScript and Ruby and uh, Objective-C was, for me, a little bit um, uh, horror. <laughs> like, uh, in, in doing such a lot of things to do a small... Uh, a small piece of functionality. <laughs> so you don't like those uh, like square brackets, right? <laughs> uh, I, not excited about them, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, I'm 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 developer too. <laughs> um, I'm actually twenty years in IT, like doing some development, but. Uh, the mobile as uh, part is also like 10 years, so we are on par with Vladimir here. And uh, I started with the, uh, with iPhone and uh, then probably never turned back to anything else. And uh, like do doing the developments uh, since then only for the Apple platforms. Well, now it's not just iPhones, but uh, yeah. Uh, kind of stick to, to, the, to the Apple ecosystem and uh, well, um, yeah, to, to, to be honest, I'm not just doing the development now, and uh, I also do a lot of stuff connected to the Apple ecosystem, including um, like how we do the applications, how we promote them, how we make users happy with, with them and uh, everything else. So the 
like user experience, I would say, like not not in the design way, but rather in, in the way of uh, making the app uh, to uh, be great, actually. Um, well, we are we are all working for the same company. <laughs> uh, well, well, that's that that, that happens, and. Uh, the nature of our work uh, prohibits us telling the exact projects we're working on. Uh, typically, we probably won't uh, name any of those today. We will uh, go with industries and uh, some parts of our involvement. So, like, we Sorry, will not be diving in. Before, yep. before we start, I have a tricky question related to your previous uh, phrase. Like, how much, like, both of you, how much time do you spend? in right for writing oh. code every day okay just part of your day <laughs> that's that's a tricky question well uh let, let me start first i'm i i will admit that i'm not doing the code too too much now uh mostly code reviews unfortunately i do some coding for um, upcoming beta i'm like currently trying the share play and i'm um, also like i haven't point in my to-do list to try the um, uh, time management uh, tools so I probably want to try their uh, API to uh, screen time and everything and uh, try to make that some like proof of concept but uh, I'm not sure I will be able to uh, but yes I still write code and I even like uh, spend some time fixing bugs uh, before the release and after the release of our one of our applications on the project and uh, that's actually probably the best part of the day usually i mean like uh, it, it's much better to write code rather than to be sitting in the meetings or discussing some other uh, like even discussing some architectural decisions made on the mobile part of our project Irina, this is how they sell yeah sorry this is how they sell <laughs> yeah. us this track with advanced software engineering that yeah, you still be hands-on developer. You will write code a little bit. Uh, yes, and moreover, we expect uh, that every applicant should be hands-on daily, and therefore I do <laughs> uh, some code daily. But yes, it's not like uh, eight hours a day. Uh, it's probably less. I hope I will be able to come back to like more real coding soon. I'm, I'm, I have some plans on that, but. Uh, in my defense, I would say that I'm not working for the one project. Actually, I'm working for three right now, and uh, that uh, takes some time, like to switch between them. And uh, you usually uh, need your expertise in terms of making the platform better, making the architecture better, rather than sitting and writing uh, every particular uh, method there. But yes, again, I'm still doing code on daily basis. Let's put that like at least one hour a day. And uh, if we add like uh, out of work proof of concepts, that would probably add up to like at least one hour more. Arena? Uh, so I don't have a lot of administrative tasks. So nice. uh, most of my day I work with a project. And I wouldn't say that, for example, code review is not engineering task. I usually check out the branch I review. Uh, and sometimes I try, and, uh, for example, to do some suggestion. I try to code there before I do a suggestion. <laughs> okay, so and actually some discussing architectural things and implementing them to the end. I see it like a full, like a complex development task. So for me, 
uh, like development engineering um, activities that you don't think it's so. For me, it's uh, as well <laughs> engineering tasks like um, code review and uh, uh, discussion architecture or some approach to develop uh, because um, I will develop it further and see the result. Uh, maybe you're discussing an architecture and someone else develops it later. <laughs> maybe that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes that happens. <laughs> Vladimir, how, how much of your time is spent on actually coding? It depends. It depends on uh, like uh, what is the part of release. So, and if it's closer to the end, then we play in the next one. And then one hour a day or two hours is good. But uh, sometimes it's even zero hours. But uh, such, after such days, I prefer doing something for myself. Just write some code for my pet projects, not even in Swift, but I also have Rust uh, a lot. And yeah, it's, it just helps me to be to be happy after such a long day of uh, of meetings. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so what we've learned today so far, uh, iOS development means you write code not too much. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, again, as I said, we probably won't be naming the projects we're working on, but let's let's focus on some of the interesting tasks we're doing on them. I mean, like, yes, we do write code, but uh, apart from coding, there are some interesting uh, stuff happening on the projects. And Vladimir, I propose we start with you and uh, your quest on, uh, uh, let's say, like, integrating Swift Package Manager or like introducing it into the project and maybe some something else? Okay, uh, first let me tell you about the project itself a little bit. So it started back in 2017, I believe, or 2016. And since then it evolved a lot. So, but we still uh, support a lot of features that were developed then and we need to support them now. And that's why project is very huge in terms of code base. And that's why I believe a couple of years ago, probably earlier, guys decided to split it into multiple frameworks within one project. And that was a wonderful decision because it's easier to support such kind of code base. You can create a separate target for unit tests and run them separately rather than just running all uh, 4,000 uh, unit tests uh, at once. So, yeah, and that's good. But accidentally, we hit the issue that indexing of that project and building it from scratch takes too much time. So today I checked. Today is a good day uh, because it took only about six and a half minutes. But uh, in bad day, bad days when it's a hot outside, and my uh, Intel i9 patient uh, <laughs> MacBook Pro just throttling a lot. So it can take up to 10 minutes. And it's too much uh, when we are talking about a project where we change only small pieces of code. And we decided that right. it might be a good idea to start extracting our functionality from just the targets within the same project to a separate uh, pre-built binaries. And we thought, okay, so frameworks is a bad, it's just an old-fashioned way. We have XE frameworks now. Okay, it looks like the same as frameworks. They just bundle two or more frameworks uh, within uh, different for different architectures into one package. Sounds good. Like, come on, it's so many problems there. 
unfortunately, it's not so easy. I spent about two weeks after working hours <laughs> to uh, just to uh, to try to build all that stuff. So I started from simple frameworks that uh, have only about five source files there. I prepared a small script to build two uh, two versions of framework for iPhone OS and for iPhone Simulator SDKs, and then bind them together to XE framework. It's easy. So I started from this easy, and then we I found that structure of like dependencies, dependency tree inside our application is so complex. So we have a mix of embedded frameworks. We have a mix of uh, CocoaPods. Within CocoaPods, we also have some CocoaPods that are uh, bind, pre-built binaries or uh, uh, just source codes. And it's just a mess. And it's hard to maintain this kind of thing. So uh, just today, I finished that uh, that EPOS and finally integrated all our XC frameworks to a project that's built now. And it instead of six and a half minutes, it takes only two minutes to build all CocoaPods and uh, the project itself. It's really good. Uh, it's really good uh, like result yeah. of my work. And since we are going to uh, pre-build all our third-party dependencies as well, this will be much better after this. So, but right. an another issue: how to manage that uh, stuff? Because we want to store all these uh, all these frameworks. Uh, as source codes within a project repository. Uh, and when one of uh, these frameworks changes, we need to rebuild all the frameworks that are depend on it. So that's why we decided, we decided, okay, we have Cartage. We can use it to build binaries and store them somewhere. And then if we need, we can rebuild them uh, locally. But it's hard to maintain this dependency graph, which, uh, which has just two kinds of uh, dependency types, so local and some, uh, some third party from GitHub or whatever. So we decided that we need to implement our own Carthage, and this is will be <laughs> this will be the next big task that we're gonna take. That that's actually interesting. I mean, uh, when when you look into um, some forums and you hear that, yeah, what 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 actually the mobile developers do? They typically take JSON and uh, put that to the screen, right? And now you're t uh, talking about creating your own package manager for the uh, for the needs of the project because of some restrictions which come up with the huge amount of models there. We actually also trying to use uh, Swift package manager for uh, structuring the code of the project itself. So one of the ideas is to basically get rid of the Xcode proj file and uh, basically put all the project contents into um, uh, Suite Package Manager models, local models. And you will basically building the projects from the local files, but the files are structured in uh, Suite Package Manager models. And therefore you can add any file to any model and that will not trigger any changes in the uh, project file. And therefore that will uh, probably reduce amount of uh, uh, merge conflicts on the on that particular file, and uh, again, that probably will be much easier. And again, that should uh, simplify and uh, speed up the indexing. Uh, not yet. <laughs> so there are some issues with Xcode uh, in this particular setup. Um, but we actually hope that 
this will work out soon, like properly. We are we are starting doing that approach. At least we're on the project I work for. Let me describe that particular project as well. It's um, we're doing a platform um, and like not just platform, white label uh, application. So we're trying to build an application which could be then tailored to new brand, new uh, set of features, and in the most easiest way, uh, you will basically change the uh, like colors, titles, like localization, and rebuild, and everything will be like the, that. Will be the new app since like it will be mostly the same to other brand, but it will be easy to build. And if you want to, you can rebuild or recreate some additional uh, flows within this app, but reuse most of the of, of the parts. So. Like the idea of the reuse of the components, like communication with backend, UI elements, um, like you name it. And uh, we actually like already using um, libraries there and we were using CocoaPods like, for historical reasons. And now we are in pro progress of migrating to the Swift package manager here. And uh, with that, we'll probably make the next step is to make the project to be like, uh, like use there even the application to be consistent of the models uh, of the Swift package manager. So it seems to for us it's like it's easier. You don't need uh, like um, a pod spec repo uh, for the uh, Cocoa Pods, and you like again you remove one of the dependencies. Like the Cocoa Pods itself is a dependency which you probably don't want to have. Uh, I mean, like why 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 should why, why should you? And uh, the idea of using the native approach here, it's really really we really hope it will work i mean that's uh we in in the well we, we have like kind of quite quite a great team to to work on that and uh, the guys are currently in the process of uh like making this uh come true um so um uh, arena do you have any experience of uh, like migrating to the uh, swift pa well like at least like uh, are your projects migrating to the swift pa package manager or uh, like yes we don't use such um, interesting cases we just uh, migrating to uh, uh, swift packages and started to do it um, uh, since it uh, was presented uh, because it's, uh, we can uh, combine in one project cocapods and spm and uh, frameworks that allowed this to do um, at first time we did and uh, moving step by steps uh, uh, we already moved uh, to spm fully um we but uh, you told boss about uh, speeding up build time um actually we did one interesting thing to speed up but not build time but uh in general engineering process without uh need to build a, pro <laughs> a project in general so <laughs> Uh, we uh, put in uh, our UI um, uh, UI elements like uh, forms and so in a uh, separate package uh, and uh, wrap them uh, to Swift UI. Uh, so we don't need to build and have a preview uh, while developing them. So that's a kind of way of uh, getting Swift UI into production, like somewhat into production. Uh, well, but by the way, that, is that successful? I mean, like, does it work? Yes, yes, it, it works. So we have some um, widgets that are fully on uh, Swift UI uh, and um, uh, the API to use you rather in a wrapper or without it. 
Nice, like, uh, nice. Yeah, I do. By the way, Vladimir, do you uh, like your projects? Are they considering Swift UI now, in some way at least? Uh, we we did have such discussions yet, but I believe it's future. And since we have a separate UI components library, which can be reused uh, within the application, it will be easy to do this since we can just wrap all these components uh, to SwiftUI with a UI uh, view. I forgot the name of this protocol. So uh, yeah, and we can uh, we can start integration them into SwiftUI uh, views without any issues. And yeah, that's actually the, okay, fifth uh, priority in our, <laughs> in our uh, list of priorities, what we need to do in the, in the project to make it better. But yeah, SwiftUI is a very powerful thing. Uh, yeah, five, is, is it a number or is it a, like a, a value? Uh, it's number. So number one is speed up the build process. And then we have uh, three more uh, between <laughs> this uh, point and uh, SwiftUI. Nice. Um, well, we on our projects, we are not using SwiftUI yet. We are... Uh, well, we, we already... Uh, build this the application to be using MVVM pattern, and I believe that MVVM pattern is great in many cases. And specifically here, we probably will be able to go with the Swift UI later on. I mean, like we we can uh, use our view models as the like, observable objects and uh, uh, just basically bind everything to the uh, to the views. Not yet. I mean, uh, we we had the restrictions on the uh, minimal. Uh, iOS supported, but now we see that some of our projects will probably be starting with iOS 13 and up, and therefore we might go with uh, something which is uh, like more useful for us, and we will be able to uh, actually migrate to the uh, Swift UI. Okay, it's uh, getting stormy in my uh, place, so we will probably have some uh, noise outside. Okay. Yeah. Speaking uh, speaking of SwiftUI, I mean, I have to admit, I, I tried SwiftUI on the projects which is now on the App Store. It was my, well, let's, let's call it pet projects. We, we did that on the, with IPAM, my company team, and uh, it's a, already on the App Store. It's called LifeLog. We'll probably might even like add the link here. But interesting thing here is that it's actually built on Swift UI entirely. We we I had some like uh, views uh, wrapped into Swift UI, but it was such a nice way of creating the flows and uh, like creating every view is very fast. I mean, like, small view is created uh, like within minutes, and then you'll just polish everything else. And the biggest problem happens with the with the state management and uh, when when you need to understand which views will be redrawn when something changes, and that's uh, probably like deserves its own um, episode uh, of, of the podcast to talk about how it works and uh, how to teach yourself thinking in SwiftUI and uh, that's actually very, very very interesting stuff. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because we all uh, at the moment we all know how to build uh, SwiftUI applications like small SwiftUI applications with a couple of screens, just a, a list, uh, a navigation view, press this uh, cell and open a detail view. But it's really, uh, I didn't hear much of stories on uh, how to build the entire application in SwiftUI. And 
Uh, even within yeah. small projects, we have a lot of things, like small tricks to do to achieve what we need. Um, my my favorite example is, uh, so it's impossible to add just a native uh, UI bar button item to navigation uh, to navigation controller to navigation bar. Uh, so and that's why all navigation buttons and navigation bars they have this uh, spacing uh, twenty points from uh, from edge because it's default behavior for UI bar button with custom view, and it's impossible to yep. call yep. to do anything yeah. with this. There are a lot of stuff similar to that, and uh, well, you have to adjust your designs accordingly, which is sometimes it's. Uh, it's not that big, uh, big of a deal. Sometimes it, it is. And the biggest problem here is that the Swift UI, which I like to use, is actually the, the, the one which was announced on this dub-dub. <laughs> so they basically solved all, almost all pain points here. And yeah, but you can't, uh, as of now, you can't create the apps which target iOS 15. And, uh, well, again, if you talk about serious production apps, you still need to support previous uh, releases and, uh, uh, most of the changes are not, uh, backported. There are, by the way, there are some, like they add some methods, uh, initializers, which will be backported to previous, uh, UI release, but the behavior will be the same. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, uh, makes the Swift UI like it will be mainstream but like two years in advance probably not 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 now but again again if you're not yet tried the Swift UI in in uh, just like give it a try and you you'll see how fast you can create some views and how easy and how um, like you don't need to deal with storyboards you don't need to deal with the uh, views in codes in code when you need like set all the parameters and when the view updates you need to create special method to update the view accordingly and like don't forget to call this method when you're mo that's that's something which is already too too exciting to to avoid i would say yeah and okay, the idea um, of using uh just a just single source of truth that uh things yes. that they mentioned uh within all uh within all sessions about swift ui it's a really good idea. I started uh, doing this in my uh, in my usual apps without SwiftUI just because it's, it's it, it works. This is how we should build uh, applications exactly and uh, eliminate really complex bugs. Yeah, that that's for sure. I mean, th this is something which is uh, uh, well. This is why I want SwiftUI to become like something which we can target now. I mean, the the the, the simplicity of the of the of this and that's like th that state management we're talking about it's that's nice i mean you you need to like have some um, understanding of which part of the screens will be like updated and how and uh, there are a couple of resources on the internet uh, which cover that uh, we will, might probably add that them to the show notes uh, too um but like yeah probably enough with swift ui i i want to mention one more thing which like from the modern swift we are using in our project so those are property wrappers and uh that's actually really, really nice thing, and uh, like we we did adopt that specifically for the dependency injection. So we have like simple idea when we have storage for the dependencies, and we use the property wrapper to inject that into um, um, into classes, uh, and um, yeah, we but, but, and you can like create the mock 
storage for the testing and like production storage for the app, app, uh, app itself. And that's so easy to write and uh, again, simple and uh, strongly typed and everything. And again, you can't forget to uh, add the dependency, which like was the pain of the like some of other dependency uh, engines, I, uh, injection engines I've seen before. Yeah, it's uh, compile time you... re restricted uh, dependency injection, and this is how it should work. So it's yeah. it's much safer for you, and you 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 won't let uh, yourself to shoot in your feed just uh, with the check of compile. Yeah, true. Um, Irina, I've heard uh, that the projects you worked on uh, were uh, ditching Alama Fire. Uh, is that true? Uh, yes, uh, it was uh, 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 when we did it. Uh, I just thought of why we were still using Alma Fire. <laughs> so, uh, because um, as a like query implementations uh, with uh, generics uh, takes like uh, not much. We have no like duplications after its usage. Uh, it just works and. Uh, Current uh, IPIs from core frameworks are pretty high level, um, so we just uh, in one place we parse the response and that is. So you basically replaced with the plain URL session, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, by the way, Vladimir, what kind of networking uh, does your project have? Uh, we have a mix <laughs> of uh, just. Uh, various generations of developers uh, introduce their own uh, solutions to work with network. So we have Alamofire, we have Moya, what else? Something else actually, but yeah, this is one of these five points that we need to uh, to do uh, to clean up our project because yeah, huge amount of dependencies without uh, without any reason is a bad thing. And talking about uh, just creating this so-called API client class, which can work with the generic uh, requests and parse various responses. This is one of tasks that I give to candidates who come uh, to us to interview, because it's a wonderful way to show how you can work with the generics and also how you can just push, not push, but uh, get out of the box and work in, uh, because working with Alamofire is just a standard de facto now. So people write this in uh, their CVs. Come on, guys. Oh, let's <laughs> let's do something for uh, your own needs. Don't use just uh, something that, because Alamofire is a combined, yeah, like not combined, it's a framework yeah. from Apple, but just a <laughs> huge framework which tries to solve all the problems. True. And, uh, uh, well, we, we do almost the same thing, uh, in our application. We, we use Moya under, under the hood, but the idea is to, that the library, which like covers the networking, exposes only the API, which is high level and everything, uh, which is like the networking part is like buried inside of that library. And, uh, there are no signs of anything coming up from, from that. And, um, Again, that um, that uses more. Yeah, yeah, I would prefer to avoid that, but the mutual decision of the team was like to stick up with that since it solves some of the problems. But uh, well, yeah, it, it, it's something. Uh, uh, so sometimes you 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 use third parties. Sometimes you invent your own. But I'm I'm not big fan of 
like inventing too much um, like if something works nice and uh, does everything that's good but again like using for example Amifier when you're only dealing with like getting JSON from the server like probably you can do that with the Euro session and decodable and that's probably it you don't need the Amifier here yeah you yeah. can use combine now you can use this uh, JSON uh, decoder and this will work without any issues yep yeah exactly Okay. And uh, speaking, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Speaking yeah. about third party dependencies, I want to say that the only dependency that I might consider uh, introducing into the project is just Direct Swift. But I know that Irina has uh, <laughs> has the story how they removed Direct Swift from the project. Uh, no, no, no. It was uh, just a goal, and um, uh, it's still in progress. And it uh, like um, re removing uh, not just re removing Eric's uh, approach, just uh, replacing with with combine. So you yeah. you still still use the reactive uh, approaches there, right? Yes. That's that, that that's interesting. I mean, uh, there are a lot of um, we, well, uh, in our last episode we were talking about like if. Uh, Reactive programming will survive uh, with this new uh, sync await and uh, structured concurrency and and so on. And uh, it seems that it will. I mean, again, the combine itself it is still here. I mean, we we didn't see any updates there, but probably again that might might be a sign of that it's already good enough. <laughs> uh, we are, by the way, we are not using combine yet, and we with the team we had a. Uh, a lot of discussions in terms of like should we uh, or should we not and the biggest problem here is that if we are to use combine uh it doesn't have like n native uh ui kit like bindings and you have to do like something else or use some other third party and if you are uh, with the rick swift um, you probably can have like uh, uh that for almost for free right and uh, this is something and again like I would probably prefer not to introduce Rix uh, Swift to the project now. I mean, if we to use uh, reactive approaches, that probably it should be combined. But uh, as we are not in the Swift uh, Swift UI world yet, uh, that like I don't know. I mean, <laughs> as at the, at the moment, team says like we will live fine without full uh, featured reactive approaches. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, you can use combine and this uh, assign method of uh, publisher, yeah. and it covers most of cases. And I think if you need to go outside of these cases, you're doing something wrong. So I had this <laughs> extension for uh, UI table view for uh, Rx Swift observable because it's so complex. It's it's really mm, yeah. makes this a little bit complex. And True. when you just need to assign uh, boolean to UI switch and a text a string to uh, UI labels text that works that's fine right yeah well I mean if you if the data comes from the model to the view assign works but if you want to be like even bind the value of uh, your text field with the, something in the model and uh, okay. that's bit gets a little bit more complicated and uh, well. I mean, again, that's uh, that's not a big deal. That's uh, all solvable. We will see. I mean, probably we will uh, introduce combine soon, maybe. Uh, but as of now, team prefers to stick with uh, simpler approaches. Uh, yet, I mean, again, that's uh, something. The the good thing about the mobile projects that they evolve fast. I mean, 
you typically can change a lot of things there and uh, that will not be uh, like you will spend year of changing everything you can start with something and then like uh, uh, incrementally uh, change something and add something and that that's by, by the way that the project we're doing now with like the platform uh, which we are doing it's uh, its evolution is already taking place so the the first app which we built with that with this platform was very simple then we made some changes there and then made more and uh, now the platform like totally different and it's uh, like i don't know it's uh, almost just a year of uh, like I, I believe even less than a year of working on on that app platform and we see already like big evolutions there and some more in the back in the backlog of, of making that platform even better and the idea here, by the way, is not not just to like the developers will be doing the apps. We we also have the support team who will be working with the apps after the development, and they uh, the idea that the it will be easier for them to support them if we will have the platform which will like uh, target all the important things, and they will not need to uh, like fix everything in the, in the different apps, and they, they can basically fix something in the in the platform itself, and that will affect the the, the all the applications. Okay, so we probably talked about all the like things we were remembering of our daily projects now, right? Or Irina, do you have anything in mind more? I don't. Um, we discuss something about stylist. So. Oh yeah. What is this? Yeah, that that yeah. Let let me that that's that's the big pain point for for me particularly and i was rooting for so yeah probably some of you like listeners viewers heard about stylist which is the theme engine for the ios applications and it's kind of nice it works i guess but the problem is that you declare the styles in the yaml format or like well probably some some text file which you put near the project let's put it that way and then you use uh, strings in your like uh, uh, source code or like in zip you use uh, user defined attributes to assign these styles to controls you see where it goes like yeah it's really really easy to make any uh, a lot of mistakes there i mean like when you're using uh, magic strings across your code that, that even if you like go with some code generation on top of that that again that's too too bad so um we went with the um, not invented here syndrome here so we designed our own theme engine and i kind of proud of it i mean it, it it focuses for our application only we we didn't want to invent something generic general for all the projects and uh, like publish that on the uh on the GitHub. No, we created the theme engine, which is tailored for our project. And it can, uh, it's basically, you use Swift structs as to declare the styles and they will contain colors, uh, fonts, um, I don't know, sizes, or even like uh, spacings if you if your theme depends on that. So it's each, each element has its own theme and you can like have the themes for the buttons, for the screen, for, for everything. And uh, the idea was like it's strongly typed and it applied uh, like by the element itself. So the element takes care of applying the theme into that. So we have uh, themes for the UI button and we created some methods to apply that theme into the button and so it will work properly. And we created the themes for like screens and, and everything. And uh, that basically helps with the 
mm, not making any mistakes with the uh, typed strings somewhere. So, and by the way, it works, uh, it still works. The, the compiler will check if you added the theme or not. And uh, therefore you basically cannot compile until you feel all the information for your view to be rendered. And we're already using that on our uh, projects. And by the way, we also make uh, made this theme engine work with models. So we have model for the UI elements and those UI elements have their themes. And we have the like the main application, which have higher level elements. So we like we use atoms, molecules or something. We, we're not using those there, there directly, but it's something like we have elements of the views which combined of uh, other elements. So, and we see that it actually works. Yes, you still need to create a theme, but it's checked by the compiler. So I'm quite happy that you will not be able to make any mistakes with the uh, with the strings and everything, or like put something uh, something bad into that uh, st uh, stylist file itself. So yeah, that's uh, probably again topic for addition uh, for the some of our uh, episodes in terms of how to like if you come from the web development arena, you know that you have HTML and you have CSS, right? So you, you already yeah, have like yeah. styling built into the standard. On the iOS, you do not, well, you, we have appearance proxy, but that's still something, something else. <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably more like totally different pur uh, purpose. I, I, my personal opinion, but we do not have the, those like styles and we have a lot of libraries which pr provide that and one of those which we were like removing from one of the projects when we migrated that project to the platform is was, was using stylist itself and we also have a lot of other approaches when nobody uses everything so you basically put everything together here or like you add colors to the asset catalog which is probably a good start when you want to do something but there is no fonts section there or there is no uh, i don't know like best way of application of those uh, controls to those colors to the controls so it's it's still not not a friendly way of making uh, uh styling for the apps and by the way swift ui has something you know, for for that like yeah. they, they they have they have buttons uh, yeah pr primitive button styles like this i used yeah. this recently and this is the way how we can do something at least for swift ui yeah yeah it's again um, i don't think that's yeah no, continue. <laughs> I yeah, just I mean, wanted to I, say, I uh, if you relate it to my web experience, uh, you are talking yeah. about uh, the styles, uh, like as, uh, uh, that um, something that uh, really works and works good. And I would say that I work in a huge web projects, and you can do a complete mess in these styles as well. <laughs> so you anyway need a, a team convention and rules and. Uh, um, attentively look at these files because you can uh, duplicate, you can overwrite and so and so. <laughs> yeah, probably you're right. I mean, like uh, there is uh, there is even like those funny uh, picture, like the box and the uh, label, like CSS is awesome and like awesome is sticking out of the box. Yeah. And, like, like, that's the... So it's, <laughs> yes, I, I know, but at least there is some idea built in and uh, um, as of now, like if you talk about UIKit, there is no like, the idea of how to you how you should do that, and that was uh, why we actually did the approach with the theme engine, which we like basically put into our platform. Uh, well, at least I hope that that will um, uh, help the our development and support teams. So yeah, that's that. That's actually what 
what we were discussing now is something like small pieces of the application. We, we, we are not talking about what application doing. Yeah. For, 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 for the whole podcast, we are talking about small pieces of the apps, which we developing uh, on our daily jo- uh, day, day job. And uh, none of them covers the actual functionality of the, of the app. So I hope that gives an idea that like even the mobile is not like uh, creating uh, I don't know, like a micro program for the uh, SpaceX rocket or something like that. But it's still a lot of stuff you're doing here. I mean, it's not just like take JSON and put that to the screen. I mean, let's be honest. We we, we have to spend some time on something else as well. Yeah, from some point of view or from some point of time. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think that would be it for today. Uh, we, we try to make a small like sneak peek into what we are doing uh like we with uh with that we yes we, we we also do the development and yeah more probably some of us spend too not too much time coding but we all we all hope to I- increase that particular part of the day uh and yeah probably we will uh and we will also have a vacation on this podcast so we need to announce that uh the next time we will come back it will not be in two weeks but rather in four weeks so we will announce that additionally we all need to take vacation too <laughs> uh from, from doing this uh podcast but since you're still here with us please spend some time on getting into your uh podcast uh application find our podcast make your uh rating of the podcast and uh, write some review some comment there that will be very very helpful for us uh, and we hope you will be able to like uh, tell about this podcast to your friends uh, your uh, co-workers or anybody who who is interested in uh, mobile development and when we will come back from a vacation we will see some uh, feedbacks or comments or everything in uh, in the podcasting apps or like anything else everywhere else and feedback we hope that when we will... yeah yes so Again, we, we will thank you for every uh, review, like honest. Uh, we hope that will be good review, but we need honest reviews. Uh, we will thank you for, for, for that as well. And uh, we hope that in four weeks when we come back, we will have some interesting uh, topics to discuss and interesting guests to invite to this podcast. And uh, probably that's it for today, right? Yeah. Thank you for coming, Vladimir. We will, yeah, people see you now, but, uh, they also should need and, uh, hear you now, but they should need that you probably almost, uh, you're behind almost all of our episodes. And, uh, uh, we also have Andre who do a lot of job here. He's not today with us, but we will invite him as well to talk on, uh, some other next episodes. And with that, thank you very much. Thank you for coming. We will see you in four weeks. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.